Last week, uh, I talked a bit about um, some words that we don't use a lot in our church and how we seem to have an aversion addiction to some of them, but, but that we're getting better. And there are other things that we don't talk about a lot here. Uh, among them, confession. Reconciliation in our, in our own lives. We talk about compassion for others, and it's always more easy to think about in distant places. There's a parable or story in the first book of the Christian Testament. Um, that book is Matthew, and I refer in particular to chapter 20. And some say these stories or parables are intended to be fables with, with morals and, and to be lessons that are obvious in and of themselves. And others say that they are really intended more to be like Zen koans, to stand things on their head so that people have to move past the way they think or that their reasoning might not carry them there. One of these parables is a story about a lord of a vineyard who goes out one morning to hire people to work in his vineyard. And he goes into the marketplace and tells people he will pay them the, the regular honorable wage of a silver coin for the day. And all these people go out and begin working in his vineyard. And three hours later, he goes back and he sees other people standing around the marketplace and says, uh, I'll pay you uh, the fair wage for your work if you'll, if you'll go work in my vineyards. They also go. This happens again at the sixth hour and the ninth hour and the eleventh hour. And when the day's work is done, the, the Lord of the vineyard calls his stewards to bring in the workers from the field and give them their wage. He instructs them to begin paying the ones who came last, the ones he hired at the 11th hour first, and pay all of the workers for the day the same wage. That's the way the parable goes. Well, clearly, the people who are hired first that get one silver coin for working 12 hours are a little miffed that the people who came in at the 11th hour got a silver coin and all they did was one hour's work. And the Lord of the Vineyard tells them, didn't I honor our agreement? And don't I have the right to pay whatever wage I think fair to those who I make agreements with other than you? Jesus had begun this parable by saying, the kingdom of heaven is like.
And for anyone who thinks that doing things right is the reward of following the law that was, that was so important um, in the Jewish community, or um, the, the new commandments that even Jesus has given people, um, have to stop and think. The same is true about the parable of the prodigal son. The, a lot of people focus on the idea, this story, how many of you are familiar with the story of the prodigal son? Uh, most of us. Um, a young man gets his inheritance from his father, it says he's leaving home and he wants his inheritance now, goes out and spends it on what is called riotous living. And at a point where he's living in wall and squalor and eating with the pigs, he tells his father he wants to come back home. And his father says, come back, we'll kill the fatted calf and you're welcome back in our home. Well, he has an older brother. Most of the time, people telling this story talk about the father's forgiveness of the son and don't often focus on the older brother who, like the first laborers hired, was kind of miffed that he had done all the right things, followed all the rules, stayed and helped his father all along, had not taken his inheritance yet, and never had there been such a party for him. Forgiveness is about the older son. One Sunday morning, an RE teacher, no, a Sunday school teacher in a mainstream church said to her class, children, what must you do to receive forgiveness? And there was quiet in the room. And from the back of the class, a little boy raised his hand and she said, yes, Tommy, what is it? And she said, and he said, sin. That's right, isn't it? If nothing were wrong, if nothing hurt, if nothing had gone awry, there would be nothing to forgive, right? Okay. The idea of the awakening, the knowledge, the kingdom of heaven, the 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 inner knowing the peace that passes understanding equating to what our narrow understandings of fairness are is rather small hmm? people's notions of justice and equity are called into question by those parables. But that is the forgiveness that life calls us ultimately to find in order that we may be free from the prisons that we create for ourselves. It's not about 
what someone else has done. It's not about the pain. as was done to us. Life is not fair. Surprise! That's why choosing life is almost always painful. And that is why by choosing To bless or love the world, we are in very real terms laboring for love. Mahatma Gandhi taught us the weak can never forgive. Forgiveness is the attribute of the strong. When I have difficulty sleeping sometimes, I'll turn the... Uh, an old movie channel on the television because the volume range is more condensed. There aren't as many things likely to wake me up if I doze off. And this past week, um, in one of those times, I caught a piece of an old movie starring Sandra D. called Tammy Tell Me True. And Tammy is an uneducated... unrefined young woman who is, partic- who is still particularly insightful and wise. That character shared this bit of wisdom. Them that gets thrown into the fire of affliction either gets burnt into bitterness or refined into gold. Though we may feel nothing but numbness about whatever an injury is, resentment toward another holds us inextricably bound to that person or condition by emotional chains that are stronger than our wills. The dissolution of which only comes through forgiveness. Even if we don't know how to forgive, even if we don't want to forgive, if we can at least say that ultimately we will be willing to forgive then a seed is planted. This begins redirection of the thoughts that remain entangled. This healing is not about mending relationships. 
or sweeping anything under the rug. It isn't about rightness or wrongness. It is not denying pain or injury. It's a point at which we begin to see through the injuries or errors to the greater truth that lies beneath them. A renowned ethicist and theologian, Louis B. Schmeeds, puts it this way. We attach our feelings to the moment when we were hurt, endowing it with immortality. And we let it assault us every time it comes to mind. It travels with us, sleeps with us, hovers over us while we make love, and broods over us while we die. Our hate does not even have the decency to die when those we hate die. For it is a parasite sucking our blood, not theirs. There's only one remedy. Forgiveness. All the years you have waited for them to make it up to you and all the energy you expended trying to make them change or make them pay kept the old wounds from healing and gave pain from the past free reign to shape and even damage your life. And still, they may not have changed. Nothing you have done has made them change. Indeed, they may never change. Inner peace is found by changing yourself, not the people who hurt you. And you change yourself for yourself, for the joy, serenity, peace of mind, understanding, compassion, laughter, and bright future that, they, that you can get. End quote. Dr. Martin Luther King said, He is devoid of the power to forgive, who is devoid of the power to love. What's the first line of our unison affirmation? So, what is the sole doctrine of our creedless church? In um, South Africa, at the end of apartheid, um, Bishop Tutu had been flown in to speak to thousands of people. And he got up and he said, God loves you. And I'm sure the people were standing around going, as we've paid all this money to fly him here and this is all he has to say to us but the follow up was God loves all of you in order for South Africa to begin to heal 
a council was created called Truth and Reconciliation Council, where crimes could be admitted and confessions made, forgiveness asked and granted. where reconciliation became possible. Many of the crimes were not followed up on because justice alone would not have healed South Africa. Love is always a gift that in the giving we give to ourselves. Its positive effects do not pass away with events but are woven subtly into the fabric of memory. Neither is love about sentimentality or emotionalism and it's far from weakness. For it requires of us perpetual tilling and tending and growing. Nevertheless, it is the only path to life. Forgiveness is a labor of love. There's an old Zen aphorism that says, Pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. People don't forgive because they feel like they have to. People don't forgive because they have a sense of obligation to or because someone told them to. Forgiveness has to come from within. And if we can have that seed of saying ultimately we will be willing to forgive, it will grow. The slightest inkling of that unsettling desire is the spark that starts the engine, the click that opens the realm. The power that propels the possibility. I wish that desire for each of you, whether it is in forgiving yourself or someone else, so that you might move to greater joy and peace. <clears throat>